Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Long lines, dress codes, $23 cocktails that you spill half of trying to get back to your friends. Sure, you could do the typical New Year's Eve thing this year. Or you could bring the bottle service to your front door with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices on the widest selection of beer, wine, and spirits and get them delivered fast. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get drinks delivered before the ball drops. Hi, this is David Frangioni, CEO and publisher of Modern Drummer Magazine. So excited about our new podcast, The Modern Drummer Podcast. This weekly podcast will bring Modern Drummer to life. Sit back and enjoy fresh, fun, and insightful conversations with today's top drummers, producers, musicians, beat makers, and craftsmen. Whether you're a professional, a hobbyist, drummer, musician, programmer, producer, or just love music, this show is for you. Every other week, the Modern Drummer Podcast will feature world-renowned producer, songwriter, and drummer, Narda Michael Walden. Narda Michael Walden's Upbeat is featured exclusively on the Modern Drummer Podcast. Hey everybody, this is your brother Narda Michael Walden. So happy to be saying hi to you on this day. And welcome to our show, The Upbeat for Modern Drummer. And our episode for this day is a genius drummer from Baltimore. We call it Balmer. His name is Dennis Milton Chambers. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal drummer. And I think of him personally as Billy Cobham uh, coming up in the next incarnation. He has those type of chops and fire and love for Billy, for all the great music. And I learned so much watching him and, and his groove and pockets so deep. He played with Funkadelic. He played with James Brown a bit. He's played with everybody. And, and in, in particular, Mahavishnu uh, had great shows with him at the Crossroads with Eric Clapton, where he played and just ripped it up in different time zones. And I was just so taken aback by him, which I, I always am. Then, of course, he went under the um, tutelage of the Santana Band for years and years and years with Carlos Santana. Dennis Chambers, we love him. We adore him. Please pay special attention to what he has to say. He's very heartfelt, very humble, and the chops are just phenomenal. God bless your heart. The groove is phenomenal. God bless your heart. <laughs> Dennis is phenomenal. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. This is your brother, Nile Michael Walton, for Upbeat, Modern Drummer. Ow! Yo. My brother. Love you, Dennis. Love you so much. Love you so much. How are you, my brother? Love you, love you. This a man's world. This a man's world. But it wouldn't be nothing 
nothing without Dennis Chambers. <laughs> yeah. We be lost in the wilderness. We be lost in bitterness. This man's world. Yeah. Ooh. Put me nothing without Dennis Chambers. Keep giving us so much, Dennis. So much love. Thank you, man. So much passion through the years. We're so honored to be with you today. Same Mother back, my man. brother. Same back. Same back. And I, and James Brown said to sing that for you because you and I both adore him. And what he gave us. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That is right. absolutely true. Okay, so let's start it out, bro. First of all, how are you? Tell me how you're doing. I'm doing okay, man. Well, I'm doing fine, actually. Yeah. I, I went to my doctors yesterday, and uh, they said everything is great with what my uh, my liver and stuff. So I'm great. Man. You look I'm just uh, I'm just living life now. Yes, that's right. I woke up this morning and I saw you on Facebook. Uh, there was a post of you playing drums on a groove with Coffee. Coffee, the guitarist. Am I saying it right? You probably are. I, you know, when you, you know, you do a lot of, lot of, lot of recordings. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to remember certain things, but I remember that name, Coffee, though. Yeah, yeah. It's a really and, that, cool, and that's an cool old groove. I, it's. It's an old recording, I think. Yeah, old recording, a cool groove of yours. Yeah, boom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, boom, God, boom, boom, type groove, you know. Lay yeah. it down. So, so consistent, which is why we love you, Dennis. This is why I want to talk to you, because you've kept the funk alive. Like James Brown would tell you, you know, you's one of the only ones keeping the funk alive. You're keeping the funk alive, Dennis. Well, so, anything you want to say about that? Well, I, you know, I'm one of a few you know i mean you have somebody like chris dave who's just a a bad 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 boy you know and um and then you you still have uh you know a lot of guys such as uh uh james gatson who's still alive and he's still keeping the funk alive and i i really i really admire him uh i mean he's a, such a beautiful beautiful guy and he gave so much yes he taught us taught us all a lot yes. you know Okay, stop right there. For the people who may not know the depth, say something about James Gatson that really moves you. Just one thing you could say so that people at Boston and then the Brooklyn schools can go, oh yeah, right. I mean, you know, I mean, let's let's go with, uh, um, you know, some of the Porno Sisters records, uh, some of the, um, oh, uh, my, 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 all of a sudden my mind go blank. Okay. But the, Bill Withers, Bill Withers yes, stuff. Grandma, I mean that. You know, uh, use me up. Right. <laughs> you know that was some serious funk, man. Yeah. You yeah, know. Yeah. And then you got Bernard Purdy. You know, who's, of course, who's still doing it too. You know, and absolutely, we adore Bernard. I, Bernard taught us so much. But you, you guys, all you guys taught a lot. You know, and and uh, I mean, I mean, you alone had done some 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 unbelievable things, and I, my ears were always open. To, to you 
Thank you, Dennis. And, uh, you know, all, all this, I mean, the Ma Vishnu's, the, you know, the, the Michael Jackson's, the Whitney Houston's and the Aretha Franklin's. And, you know, when I walked into your office or oh, your achievement room, I don't know if that's what you called it, but that's how I saw it. And I looked at that, that room and I go like, oh my God, I had no idea you did all of that stuff. And, uh, and I brought the records and, you know, or brought the CDs, but you know, with CDs, they don't, you know, show you, show you credits too much. You know, you yeah. can't, you have to get a magnifying glass to see it. But when I walked into that room, I'm like, Jesus Christ. I knew that one side of things. I knew about the Rita Franklin, but I didn't know about the, you know, uh, Michael Jackson's and, and the Whitney, you know, I mean, I knew a little bit about Whitney Houston, but I didn't know the, the depth of it. Oh, thank you, Dennis. Blew me away, dude. Well, you blow us away, Dennis. That's why we're so happy to have you on this great show called Upbeat. And our fans are are really wanting to know, you know, about your makeup. How it is, first of all, you play so powerfully, Dennis. How you can play so, so swiftly, so quickly, so effortlessly when you want to. How you can also be doing all that and just have the groundedness in the groove and the funk at the same time. Those three things alone come together with you so effortlessly that we're kind of like, we're always like knowing you're dangerous. We just know you're dangerous. And uh, anything you want to say about that, please, the floor well, is yours. I mean, <laughs> okay, I'm a, I'm a regurgitation of, of what happened before me. Okay. And, um, you know, far as the funk and the groove and stuff like that, you know, I grew up in the, the 60s just like we all did. And yeah. growing up in, in that time, and music is so different from then until now. Um, yes. I had James Brown in my life. Mm. You know, I had, you know, the Stax recordings with Al Jackson, you know, in my life. Wow. I had Zigaboo Mona Lisa. Wow. You know, um, I had you know, David Garboldi. Yes, you know, Oakland, right across and, the way. And, yeah. and, and now some of these guys weren't hard hitters, but the, the groove, it taught you about the groove, you know. Yes. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't grow up in the, the area, the era of YouTube. We didn't have YouTube. We had mm -hmm. vinyl, mm -hmm. a, a needle, stylus, mm -hmm. drop it on, and you you try to pick things up from there. That's, yes. I'm self-taught. You know, yes. I didn't go to school for music or anything like that, but I was taught by the best by listening. Yes. And then, you know, and then reading the, the, the back then when we had albums, you know, reading the credits and find out who did what. Mm -hmm. unfortunately you know with listening to Motown I always wanted to find out who those guys were but at that time you, you didn't know because they didn't put yeah. they didn't list them yes but then you know like in 30 years later here we are now we've, we're finding out who those guys were that's right that's and right. Um, and for me I, I you know playing with Parliament Funkadelic being in Detroit um, you know trying to find out who did what and and never met those guys now that I know I wish I could go back you yes. know, when I was there a lot and, and uh, meet those guys, man, just to so, say thank you, at least just, just to yes. say thank you. So Dennis, just so that we understand more about you, if you don't mind, take us just on a journey through where you're from, from, from Baltimore, Baltimore. Tell us about that a little bit, then connect the dots a little bit so we understand how you're, how you unfolded, you know what I mean? So that those who really want to know more about you can really go, God, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So just kind of open our eyes from the very beginning a bit. Can you please? Yeah, I, uh, let me see. Well, first of all, uh, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. I was born oh. right here in Baltimore, Maryland. In what year? And, uh, 1959. Okay, thank you. And um, I, I say 1962, I think. 
62 maybe, uh, my mom uh, was a singer and she put a band together. She was somewhat of a, a local celebrity because she sang in Motown for just a short amount of time. Okay. And um, she didn't like it too much as I found out. And so she came home and put a band together. The, the band would rehearsed uh, at my mom's apartment. And um, like, oh, okay, my name is really not Dennis, it's Milton Chambers. I love it. But I the nickname, it. the nickname came from, I was a menace. I was a true <laughs> menace, especially to the kids in the neighborhood. Right. <laughs> so the only thing that kept me still was when my mom would rehearse and, and um, the, the drummer would play. And I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the, the uh, he had a, a champagne sparkle, Gretsch kit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if it was the shininess of the drums or the, the, the gold things he was hitting, the cymbals mm-hmm. and the, the, you know, the volume of it. And I was I was like in awe just sitting there watching them. Yeah. And of course, what, you know, at that, you know, at that time we had, my mom is a, a serious, she had a serious love for music. So we had like jazz, you know, we had uh, R&B, soul, you know, all kind of music, even classical music. Mm -hmm. I remember my mom would play sometimes. Beautiful. So uh, when the band would would finish rehearsing, uh, I would pick up knives and forks and, and things and stop banging on the furniture. And uh, many, many a day is my, I would get reprimanded for <laughs> two of that. But thank God my father was a poster, you know, okay. so he would fix the, you know, recover the furniture and stuff like that, uh, or cover the furniture and, right. and, or recover the furniture. Yeah, he would fix it. And, and, um, and I, they brought me a drum kit when I was like uh, three years old, it was somewhere around in there. Okay, young. And just to see, just to see if, you know, if I really, you know, if this was a fad or not. So my neighbor's kids, you know, tore their drum kit up. You know, somebody, I think we were wrestling or something. They fell on it, you know, and then mm-hmm. flattened it. And I stuffed it under the bed. And and uh, I became, as uh, my mom told me, I I was, it was a change for me. I, my whole thing had changed and, and I was depressed. You know, I didn't want her to find the drums. I didn't want my family to find the drums. Right. Of course, my mom went to clean my room out and, and there's the drum kit under the bed, and then she knew what was happening. So they brought me a, another drum kit. Okay. They uh, went down to this place called Tez Music Store. Tez. Um, Ted's. Tez. Um, Tez. Yeah, T E D. They went down to Tez, and they brought a kit. Uh, it, it was like a. They actually they custom built the thing. It was like a, a fourteen or sixteen inch floor tom, and they put a mount system on it which had one rack tom, like a, I think the tom tom was, a, I think it was either a 10 or a 12. I can't remember now. Okay. And they brought like a, a little snare drum and a 14 inch floor. Wow. And, um, and, you know, some, you know, like real cheap cymbal stands that, that went, that came down low, yeah. uh, low as possible. Yeah. And I, I just started from there. I started listening to the records, you know, and I thought, Wow, in, in order to become a drummer, you have to learn all this music that my mom was playing in the in the house. Right. Okay. Um and and of course it was a lot of funk, you know, you know, and a lot of soul music and um you know, so I would mimic records all the time, mimic records and practice, practice. You never caught me 
uh, without a pair of sticks in my hand. I'm all, always, and, and, and if I if I didn't have sticks in my hand, I'm always thinking uh, of uh, rhythms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would even like listen to like motorcycles, Harley Davis motorcycles, just to hear the rhythms yeah. and try to figure out what those rhythms were. I was so crazy with it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And of course, and of course in school, I, I failed a lot of my classes because I couldn't think, I couldn't hear anything but rhythms, God. you know? So, um, but thank God for me growing up in Baltimore, because a lot of artists, a lot of groups that I listened to came through Baltimore, mm-hmm. you know, like the guys from New York, if they were, you know, doing a tour, going through the South, going to the South, mm-hmm. they would stop in Baltimore, mm-hmm. you know? So I was able to uh, go to some of those concerts, not a lot, but I went to, to, to uh, you know, most, well, few concerts, uh, at that time, uh, just to see, you know, who these guys were and how they played. And then also back then in the seventies, we had this, uh, uh, well, I, I'm just jumping ahead. Okay. So one day, one day, <laughs> this guy was, was going home okay. uh, and I lived on Preston street, right off of Broadway and Preston street on the east side of Baltimore. Right. This guy was going home on Preston street and he was caught in traffic. And he heard some drumming going on, you know, somebody playing drums. He pulled the car over, followed his ear to my mom's apartment, mm-hmm. knocked on the door. And um, my mom answered uh, the door and she asked him, well, what do you want? He was like, well, is there somebody up in here playing drums? And she said, yes, my son. So make a long story short, she somehow, she, well, back in them days, you know, you know, everything was pretty much, we were, it was a more innocent time. So she let him in, came up to the, to my room and I'm in there wailing, you know, playing mm. and I'm six years old at that time, you know, so, okay. or maybe five, I can't remember five or six. Okay. So he, he's sitting there like amazed that what he's hearing come to find out he was a bass player in this band called the fingertips. And the guy's name was rat. I don't know why they called him rat, but um, he convinced my mom to take me, to a rehearsal place where the band was going to rehearse and I went and I played and they were like kind of I wouldn't say amazed just surprised to see a young guy Mm -hmm. who can play you know some some R&B music yes or soul music yes and um convinced my mom to let me play in the band you know, as long as I don't, as long as they don't, uh, uh, they don't have a lot of gigs or something. You know, just mm-hmm. you know, like gigs on the weekend or something. Yes. And that's what I did. I, you know, I played in that band. I was six years old. Played in that band for for a long while. And um, thank God, the the club where we played uh, was a place called the Peyton Place on Pennsylvania Avenue, where the Royal Theater and all that stuff used to be. That whole block was like just nothing but music. Okay. Um. The, that little spot, Peyton Place, the drummer, uh, the owner, Henry Baker. He, co- he called me Shorty. Shorty, mm. if you want to <laughs> see a serious drummer play, you know, have your mom or have somebody bring you down here, you know, blah, 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 what day, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm like, well, who's playing? Uh, this, uh, you like jazz? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm new at it. You know, there's some things I like. You heard of Miles Davis? Oh, yeah, I heard of Miles Davis. Yeah, well, come on back. Miles is going to be here playing. And and I didn't 
you know, at the time I didn't know the serious of all of this, right? So right. I go back on that night and they, they, uh, um, they would sit me in a corner, you know, where, you know, if the cops came in, you know, they wouldn't see me. Plus back in them days, uh, uh, cops used to patrol the neighborhood on horseback oh. and there was a lot of payola, you know, so they would pay some of the cops to, especially the nights that I played, they would pay the cops, you know, a few dollars and they would just go buy it, buy that place. So anyway, I go in, I sit down. This little guy comes out. He sits behind the drums. And man, I remember that drum kit. It was it was a Gretsch kit. It was a uh, white satin. A white satin drum kit. And um, Miles, oh, they introduced Miles. He's on the bandstand. He counts off and all hell broke loose. Mm-hmm. The drummer was Tony Williams. That's right. That's right. Tony Williams. Mm-hmm. And it it's it was the stuff was so over my head. I, I I didn't understand any of it, but I knew I I was seeing something great. Yes. Especially when the you know seeing somebody at that age, uh, like seven years old, maybe seven or eight years old. And seeing how the guy worked his left hand and the right hand had a different zip code mm-hmm. from the rest of the drum kit. Mm-hmm. And the hi-hat, I never saw anybody play a hi-hat like that, you know, which is four beats to the bar, mm-hmm. no matter what the tempo was. Got it. And the bass drum was just, it had a, it was like a different mind. It was like, it was like four-way independence. That's, That's the way right. I saw it then. Mm-hmm. And he sounded like it should have been the, it should have been the Tony Williams band featuring miles davis that's what it right. sounded like to me Got it. yeah and tony played like the cops were outside waiting for him and this was going to be the last night he was going to play okay. that's the way it sounded man and mm-hmm. it was just beautiful mm-hmm. i mean he just blew my mind um i i went home um after sitting there you know the concert's over and this is around about the time they, they had just done uh miles smiles record Oh, okay. It was that during that era. So I go home, uh, you know, like I couldn't really talk that much. People were asking me questions and I, I just wasn't talking, you know. I, and I couldn't sleep for 48 hours mm-hmm. with somebody running there. Mm-hmm. For two days, I couldn't sleep because mm-hmm. I just heard rhythms and rhythms and the possibilities. I mean, he opened me up to like all the, 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 all the different possibilities of how to work the hands how to work the foot, you know, the, the ankle control, the, you know, all that stuff, you know, and I, I just, you know, at that time I was a, a big sponge, you know, just open for, for knowledge, how to, how to play these, this instrument. And, uh, and um, I, I went and try to, you know, start playing jazz, you know, like taking a rod symbol and, you know, play a dotted eighth note and, and try to play that evenly, you know, slowly. And, and, and and also, I, I was also told that, you know, and that time, when you practice, try to play everything slow, you know, and especially, you know, get into your rudiments and, and work on those and, and, and work on things slow. And then once you feel comfortable with it, build it up to a certain speed. And if that falls apart a little bit, stop. Remember that, that, that tempo and then start from there. Work on that tempo until you get it nice and even. Then go back to the slow thing. Work up to that 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 tempo where it got raggedy raggedy 
mm-hmm. and work there and then push it from there up. Mm-hmm. So doing all of that and 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 watching all these great musicians like Art Blakey would come to town. In fact, I opened for Art Blakey when I was 13 or 14 years old. And he was trying to get me to go here in uh, David Snitter. No, 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 not David Snitter. It was Walt the... Uh, Oh, the piano player. I can't think of his name right now. Walt this. Uh, okay, that's cool. Anyway, Walt, uh, uh, who's a great pianist who also worked with uh, Louis Belson and people like that. I can't okay. think of his name, though. Sorry. Okay, okay. Um, so, the, you know, like Art would come to town, Max would come to town, all these jazz drummers, great jazz drummers would come to town. And, and you know, Clive, you know, with, with James Brown would come to town and so I'm just, you know, in any time there was uh, any time I had that I could go, I would go. Right. And I would even, I would even in my teenage years, if I had a gig and found out somebody was playing that I wanted to see, I would just cancel my gig. I would get somebody else to sub because I wanted to see the masters. I even saw you. I saw you here in Baltimore. That blew me away. It blew me away big time. But, you know, so doing all of that you know i was just studying and studying and working on my craft and just studying working study working and and um um practicing with the with the i used to play in a marching band too i forgot to tell you that i, I love it Listen, in a, i'm about to ask you how do you learn these rudiments you said you're all self-taught by the records which i understand that's the best yeah. records the best, best teachers but you are so intricate so that speak about that in your marching band yeah i i i <laughs> I was in a marching band not long, you know, because it it looked great when you're standing on the side watching the marching band. <laughs> okay, I think you got to march. <laughs> yeah, but when you got to get when you got to put you know wear that hot uniform. Yeah, 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 yeah. On a hot summer day, like mm-hmm. in July. Right. A hot summer day. Right. And you you got your outfit on and right. you you got this big old drum. Right. Who's right off the side of my left side on my hip, and marching. Ah! <laughs> yeah we marching man right. we marching we marching <laughs> so you know marching with this thing man and uh that got old you know uh, especially if you know you march for about like a mile or two oh yeah and it carrying a heavy drum uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh man i you know i did everything i could to get out of it uh yeah. I, uh, I I think I faked a heart attack that didn't <laughs> that didn't, didn't it didn't go over well with my mom. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> you know she beat the crap out of me. But um, um, so I went through all of that and, and still like working on 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 practicing and getting getting a you know better drum kit and 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 you know studying the drums, taking the drums apart, every piece of it apart and learning what things were, how, what did what, and why they did what they did. And, and um, you know, of course, playing and, and practicing with phone books under my arms and um, practicing with a mirror, uh, <laughs> you know, in front of me, just to see, you know, watch the body, how it, it, it works and try to play, uh, play intense and calm, you know, looking in the mirror you know, mm-hmm. just to get the posture down, make sure I sit straight up, you know, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, because that's what I saw my 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 favorite drummers do, you know. Wow. 
And I wasn't able to talk to them at the time, mm-hmm. but I figured that's what they did, you know? Mm-hmm. And then reading some things about, you know, when I could, reading some things about, you know, some articles about Buddy Rich and, and uh, you know, Billy Cobham and Tony yes, in, in, yes. in my teenage years and, and, and going back to the drawing board and work these things out, you know? Um, but the, uh, the power for me, it, it actually came from watching Billy Cobham. Okay. You know, okay. watching Billy Cobham like uh, on a on a on like an unbelievable night with the Mahavishnu, mm-hmm. as you know. Yes, um, I do. Incredible. <laughs> My mind is still blown. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it sounded like there was like four lions mm-hmm. on stage, and somebody threw in a piece of meat. That's what mm-hmm. it sounded like. It was, the mm-hmm. energy was like, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Really intense, but yeah. also not only intense, but also um, delicate, you know, because yeah. they would play some pieces that were very, very, very low in volume. And and then, you know, like uh, uh, Jan would, would play a, a, a piano and and there's a John would pick up acoustic guitar and they would play these beautiful pieces. So that taught me, you know, about dynamics. Yes. You know, and. Um, you know, listening to my Vishnu all those years and, and that taught me a hell of a lot. And then I, I saw you with him and that blew me away because I always thought uh, before I saw you, I always thought that you played match grip. Okay. And then when I saw you play traditional grip, playing all that stuff, traditional grip, playing with that power, I'm like, there's no way you can hit a drum playing like that match grip. But yet I watched you and I saw you do it. And uh, that took me back to, uh, you know, playing match grip again, because uh, at the time when I saw Billy play, I switched from match to, to uh, I'm sorry, I switched from traditional to match. Right. Okay. And then and then I saw you play. And then I went from from uh, uh, traditional, I'm sorry, match grip back to traditional hmm. and started working on both both styles, you know, both technique or hand techniques. And um Practice on, uh, I used to practice a lot on pillows because that's what I learned in the marching days. Okay. Uh, and with big sticks, those big truck, tree trunk sticks of my, uh, I used to have, sit down, work on that very slow and, and to, to build up things and, and um, always listening to music, you know, and that taught me how to play music. Wow. You know, um, not just, you know, playing a lot of chops, you know, but, um, even uh, there was a phase I went through where I I, I, I didn't want to do anything but just play chops. Okay. But then I realized the guys who did that, they weren't getting any gigs. <laughs> they weren't getting in. They, there were no gigs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, everybody go, yeah, he can play, but you can't play, you know, you can't play music. And so that taught me like, okay, okay, man, I got to go back and, you know, get back into the groove of how to, you know, play, play music and, or not get back into it, but just, you know, just study more or focus more on the playing music yes. and, and um, try to be the best that I can be sitting behind that kit, playing all different styles of music. Okay. Let, let me by come back. listening, by, yes. by listening to all the great, great guys who did it. Okay. Let me bring you back to just around the time when you'd be going to Detroit. How did you hook up with Parliament Funkadelic? How did that happen? Because I see that as monumental. So just break that down for just a moment. 
Yeah, that that came about. Um, there was a guy named Gary Mudbone Cooper, yeah. who used to sing with a band called Madhouse here, and that that group was more or less like one of the groups who were, were like E.F. Hutton when they played, everybody came out to listen. Okay. Um, they were on you know shows with with uh, like Graham Central Station, and they were just as good as Graham Central Station. And then they they opened for George one time, and um, George liked the band. He wanted to try to you know grab some of the members, and those guys you know at that time they were they were thinking right. So they had one guy, this guy named Gary Mubbone Cooper, um, who sang in the band, um, got with George, and he re- did a lot of recording you know with, with the with the guys at that time. They needed a bass player. Uh, this guy named Rodney Ski Curtis. Oh, I'm sorry. My lights went out. Yeah, okay. I got some motion lights down here. Sorry about that. That's good. I thought I turned it off. Mm. Um, Rodney Ski Curtis uh, joined him and George just absolutely loved Ski, you know, and we all do. I mean, because the guy's like um, the, one of the funkiest bass players alive. What's his name again? Rodney Ski Curtis. Rodney Ski Curtis. Yes. All right. Okay. And and um last before the epidemic, he was working with, with Maceo Parker for some years. Oh, okay. But the guy is serious, you know, and okay. all the all the bass players actually really know it. Okay. You know. And uh, anyway, so he got in the band. The whole time while he was there, he was plotting trying to get me to get in there. Mm-hmm. And every time the cheer opened up, it closes that quick. Yeah, George would like grab you know like uh, some of the James Brown drummers or, and that that didn't work out. And then mm-hmm. you know, uh, when I came in, Skeet got me a ticket, flew me to I think it was Atlanta, I think it was, and um, had me to play at Soundcheck, in front of Bernie Worrell. Wow, I love and, Bernie. And yeah. Bernie, Bernie, you know, loved what I did, mm-hmm. or what I was doing at the, you know on mm-hmm. on stage at that time. And yes, and. Um, so when the cheer opened up again, it didn't open up with Funkadelic. It opened up for Brides of Funkenstein, one of the offshoot bands. <laughs> so I played in that band on tour with, with Funkadelic, Funkadelic, call them Funkadelic. And, you know, uh, they, I think Funkadelic at that time had four drummers, if I remember correctly. And I'm not sure, but I knew for sure there was Tyrone Lampkin. There was um, Boogie, Cordell Boogie Monsoon. Um, there was... Um, um, Frank Waddy, and there was somebody else. I can't remember Tiki, who that was. Tiki Forward. Now Tiki Tiki was out of the band at that time, but he was still coming around at that time. Because all we knew, so, Ry, Ryman, Michigan, Kalamazoo, we yeah. knew about Tiki. Tiki, Tiki was famous. Tiki. We never saw him, but we heard about that. Boom! 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 That was oh, that's Tiki's beat. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and 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 Tiki is, as far as I'm concerned, he's one of the founders of GoGo. Yeah, but exactly. It wasn't, exactly. It, it's not. It's not Gogo. It's, it wasn't. It's not Gogo as what Gogo turned out to be now. Yeah. But he was that. He was so groove oriented. Yes. And um, and uh, from what I understand, I, I I don't know this for sure, but he played. From what they tell me, he played on the um, the Delphonics records. Oh. And uh, and that made sense because the guy when you listen to a lot of the a lot of the Delphonics music, the drummer is so laid back. That's that 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 left hand, 
Yes. It's so laid back, you know. Yes. Well, like and, and, Allah, Allah means I love you. Would that be him or would yeah. that be that guy Earl? Right. Another guy named Earl, well, somebody, Earl, Earl Palmer, well, Earl somebody. Earl. I saw him in the, they were honoring, honoring him just this morning from Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it was either him or Earl. But yeah. Okay. I, I heard that, that Tiki played on a lot a lot of those records. I'm going to so find I out. I don't know what song. Fan. I'm a big fan of that stuff, man. Yeah, me too. God, man. And that's another that's another thing that taught me another uh, music yeah. that taught me how to play, you know, because mm -hmm. listening to a guy that can that can play those songs and make it sound so elastic. Yes. And and the groove, the groove is not just here. Mm -hmm. The groove is like here. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just because of the way he plays the, that back beat. And you know it, it wasn't a mistake or anything because he's consistent back there. Yes, yes. It's almost like we would think it'd be dragging, but it's so yeah. emotional, it's not dragging. Yeah. But you know yeah. what I mean? People can say, oh, you're dragging. But in fact, no, it's it's in, it's so much emotion. Yep, yep. You know? Yep. And they, yep. like you say, consistent, but hold it there. It's like, dang. Yep. It'd be, I mean, you it'd be, sit, it'd it hypnotize you. You can almost set your watch to that backhand. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was right right consistent always there at that spot yeah. and no matter what song it was you know somebody loves you girl i, mm -hmm. I think that's the name of the song mm -hmm. somebody loves you girl or somebody love you the snare drum was like you know the drummer was so 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 way back in the in the beat you know so again, that was, some, that was some beautiful music, man. Come on to the 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 the, the, the parliament now. Just I'm just, just wondering, what year would it be? Oh, right. Yeah, what year would it <laughs> so, be? So that was 1970, 79, I believe. 79. 79, okay. yeah. Okay. And I came on board and um, George, and I think, man, my lights keep going out here. <laughs> okay, it's all right. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. Um. 79 uh, playing with the brides george see me play or saw me play with them and checked it out and then he asked me to to play in the band well he didn't even ask me actually they just put me on the drums and, and next thing i know i'm in the band okay. with funkadelic okay and since uh uh the par or the brides of funkenstein and parliament was on the on the same tour and under the under the same umbrella it was the same pay. Yeah. So nobody actually officially said you're in. I was just stuck with the drums all night long. Mm -hmm. You know. But what an education. I mean, oh, yeah. all over the world, and I mean this, all over the world, any drummer couldn't have a better education than oh, playing yeah. in that situation all night long with those people who, who all they wanted was that groove had to be right yeah, and yeah, strong. Yeah. I mean, strong. Mighty, yeah. God, man, yeah. damn. Some people for actually they forget that I actually played in that band, you okay. know. Especially when I played with Schofield, everything I did for with Schofield on up, um, people are very surprised when they when they go back and, and see um, some credits, you know, with me on it with Funkadelic, and it wasn't that many, but um, but I've I've done some recordings with them, and um, and of course a lot of a lot of touring. That band with the uh, since it was Parliament Funkadelic with two different names, two different record companies. You know, it's like you go out on tour for like uh, 
what five months, five or six months with the group that had the record hit record, and then you go home for a month, maybe, and then you're back on the road for another four or five months with 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 Funkadelic. If Funkadelic had to hit, vice versa. So you stayed on the road all the time. But we were young, man. You know, That's you right. could do that when you're That's young. Right. You couldn't pay me to do that now. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but there, yeah, it was a lot of lot of playing, and that that band was was very loud, and I think that contributed to the way I I hit the drums. You know, when I hit them, I hit them hard. That's right. That's right. And um, except for you know, if I'm playing in a in a jazz thing, then I I lighten up. Yeah. Not much, but I lighten up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, so then. So then from, from the funkadelic period, where did you kind of just, just give me like an, the idea how, how you kind of uh, maneuvered? Well, I mean, you know, uh, with funkadelic, well, probably funkadelic, I, I came in, uh, had to, you know, kind of start with studying, studying a lot of, you know, Tiki and then the guys that came, uh, the guys that came before me, Tiki Forward, uh, Jerome, um, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Tyrone Lampkin, yes. Jerome Braley. Yes. Jerome Braley was, uh, uh, I think he was the last greatest drummer that played with him. Okay. Um, he was the one that, that wrote Terry Roof off the sucker. Okay. Very cool. And his history goes way back. His thing goes back, for, as far as I remember, with the five stair steps. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm a and he, he goes back with all fan. of that. You know, I'm a massive, yeah. massive fan. But that's Curtis Mayfield again, whose birthday is yesterday, today. We're celebrating Curtis Mayfield. That's all wow. Curtis, Curtis yeah, yeah, helped yeah, yeah, write, yeah, yeah. produce, make that thing happen. Those little yeah. genius kids, you know, Kenny Burke yeah. on the bass and all that. Clarence, the great singer. Those guys were geniuses, man. And in Chicago, yeah. they were superstars. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> oh, my God. Were they from Chicago? Yeah, that's Chicago, man. So my, my dad's from Chicago. So we go there to visit. That's when we go, oh, my God, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's great yeah yeah that's great yeah but you know the five stair steps he, he was with yeah in that band like that song Ooh child okay mm-hmm. and uh someday you know those songs and yeah. you listen to the drummer play and that was tyrone mm-hmm. i mean i'm sorry that was jerome Brilly, you know that played on, on those songs and uh you know but by me you know being you know like just studying these guys you know i would try to find anything and everything you know that my favorite drummer or a drummer that caught my ear i would go yes. and try to do research on these people yes. and that's one thing you know like these uh, i feel that younger drummers don't do these days they don't they don't do any studying they don't they don't they don't want to know you know i mean they don't even want to know they don't, you know how to do homework you know when they when they're in school so they don't want to study that stuff so you know darn well they don't want to study, you know, what they're, whatever they're doing musically, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever instruments they're playing. They don't, they don't, they just know who the guy is uh, that they're listening to and they just locked in on him mm-hmm. and they don't know his background, who he listened to, where he got, where he came from, none of that. They don't care. Mm-hmm. It's lock in on him. And then, um, you know, then, you know, history sort of gets lost. Well, this is why we're talking yeah. to you, Dennis. So it won't get yeah. lost because we know that yeah. you are a real uh, aficionado, a lover, a passionate, passionate musician, and you keep alive the, the people before before you, now during your during your reign, 
and and you you're seeing the future like you're always very keen to let me know about hey don't sleep on this cat virgin donato or don't sleep on this other cat that you know you're always like pointing out the future cats to me as well so yeah. you know, you're you're really you're really into it man I, yeah. I know that i know that about you yeah Hey, well, I know you enjoyed hearing Dennis speak from his heart. So many re relevant stories that we can use in our day-to-day -day life going forward, in our mu musical lives. And we really want to inspire the drummers and the musicians in the world and all people in the world with our interviews with Upbeat. And we want to thank the genius Dennis Chambers, who we love so much for giving his total heart to music, his total love and devotion and passion to music. We want to thank him for his words and for his insights and his inspirations. Love you, Dennis. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. Stay tuned for our show. Upbeat with Norman Michael Wald, Martin Drummer. Ow! Thank you, everybody, for watching this week's Modern Drummer Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode exclusively on Podcast One. Until then, stay safe and healthy, and thanks for listening and watching. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.